Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining. Well, and welcome back to Action Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Greg Peppers on the Ward SP Futures down seven, and the Futures down 54. This after a nice update yesterday. Uh, do we have uh, Professor Kevin? Good morning. Yes, I'm ready to start rambling. Um, all kinds of news this morning. I'm going to say I don't. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I, I will do that. This is an interesting, probably very good and bad day in music history. Anniversary of two events. Um, you're Mr. Music Buff. Can you name them? Two events. Uh, let me see. Um, two events. Music. Uh, I will go with uh, Greg Allman's, Jim Morrison's, and Sammy Davis Jr.'s birthday. How's that? No, it was the 43 oh, years. Yes, that's true, too. That's true, too. But 43 years ago, John Lennon was shot. That's not the good news. Uh, I remember that night. We had just played basketball, and we'd gone over to somebody's house to have a few beers and order a pizza, and i tell you what. Yeah, uh, Howard, Howard Cosell covered the story from the uh, Monday Night Football booth. Yeah, it was, uh, boy, talk about a hush come over to Rome. I mean, uh. A lot of music fans were, were with us, and uh, me included. And uh, and but the good news is, 62 years ago today, the Beach Boys' first single, 45, whatever you want to call it, single single song. Maybe Greg will have that for a break, because he's pretty quick with this stuff. Well, you could you could go with their first single song, which what was that like, Surf City or something? Yeah, like I that? think it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, really, their uh, their masterpiece album was Pet Sounds. Yeah. Brian Wilson wrote the thing, and uh, wasn't his dad all over that group for a long time? Don't know. I think he was. He was, he was like the, uh, like the Alonzo Ball's father of that group for a while. I don't know how that all worked out, but I remember there, when they all got back together for the first concert was at Notre Dame, and I was there. Were you? Uh, I I don't know that I went to that. I don't remember it if I went. Was the the one. Uh, the album that came out was "Don't Go Near the Water" or something, wasn't that their 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 re, re get together album? The reunion tour album. Huh? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but they put all the old, so they were good. I mean, they were real good, I thought. Oh yeah, that's they were outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it, Brian Wilson really proved to be an amazing songwriter, 
nobody in the band ever wanted to, um, uh, you know, jump out of the formula, but Wilson pushed them, and, uh, and they made some really good music as a result of it. I like the, uh, what was the one where uh, you weren't supposed to help other people out with their music, but they were doing one in the studio, and uh, Jan and Dean were doing something down the hall, and they were missing it. They're missing a guitar player, wanted some other sound or whatever. So Dean came down to uh, play, and of course he's he's not he's not credited on the song at all, except at the very end when the, when the thing was over, you hear Brian Wilson go, "Thanks, Dean." <laughs> but I don't know what song that was, but it's it's kind of a famous little. If you that's listen, a credit. What more do you that, need? That's a credit. Yeah, it's what more do you need? I guess. But hey, uh, crazy stuff in the economy. We got the uh, labor numbers coming out today, which we'll cover with Carl. Did you see this? Uh, I just sent it to you. Sent it to yous. Uh, rest of the guys. Uh, Kwame Raoul just filed a lawsuit against the NCAA. Why Kwame Raoul against the NCAA's transfer policy? That they oh, he, w- he wants to transfer again. He already used up his uh, his one timer, huh? Uh, that's it. Well, he did, he just says that they that people should be able to control their own stuff. That, you know, here's the here's what I don't. Uh, well, look, um, he's really making the case there for collective bargaining. That uh, you know, this is this is one sided rulemaking. And uh, uh, and that that's that's not appropriate. Um, e- even though they've relaxed the rules a lot and, and so on, that uh, he, he, you know now I you know how that's going to work out got me. Um, but it, you know, isn't that really the uh, you know what's going on here? Well, I, you know, I I have no really hor- horrible things to say about Kwame Raoul. Except first of all, why is this his business? Why? Why is this the state of... Why, why, he's got all kinds of other stuff to do here in Illinois. I'm not saying he's wrong with this, but why would he come up with this one? Just to make a name for himself? Is he going to go for a national office someday or what? Um, yeah, a lot of people do things to uh, make a name for themselves. I don't know that this one's going to get him front and center, but... Here's my here's my bitch about this whole thing, because we got other stuff to talk about, but whenever people do stuff like this, and I'll, I'll include our esteemed Supreme Court, when you open this kind of barn door, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, starting a war. What is it? Uh, cry, cry havoc and let loose the dogs of war. You can't control them. This, if, if this becomes a real business, which in many ways it already is, then you're going to have non-compete clauses. You're going to have students paying taxes on their tuition they get for free. You're going to be all over this, Kevin. Does anybody really want to go there? Well, I, I, it, it definitely falls under the category of being careful what you wish for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if all of a sudden I can go anywhere I want. Or, or the other way to look at it, when the gods want to punish us, they grant our wishes. I'm, I'm gonna, why, if I'm Miami of Ohio and I find some kid that all of a sudden, or any kid, if I, if I have 20 kids in as a freshman and I, and I have a feeling 10 of them might actually work out to where somebody else is going to want them, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why I'm picking on Miami, Ohio, and I don't even know what the tuition is. Say the tuition's fifty grand. Okay, freshman year, unless you're, you know, O.J. Simpson or somebody, you're, you're going to suck, basically, and you're going to get meals, class, coaching for free, travel, you name it. And all of a sudden, you're just gone, and uh, without me or the place you're going, owe me a dime? Kevin, when, one thing I learned about economics is I... I can't tell you how, when, or why, but somehow or another, that gap will get closed. It has in business. When, when business schools started to 
charge seventy grand a year. When I when I went to Allied Van Lines, anybody there could have gone to business school at the University of Chicago and had it paid for it without batting an eyelash, because nobody cared about the three grand a year or whatever the hell it was. When it became fifty, you you better have stayed there five years or you're paying half of it back. If you left the next week, you're paying like eighty percent of it back. Every yeah, school. I, I had I had that kind of a deal when uh, and when I went to grad school uh, on the company, and um, so you know uh, and. I, I don't know what years you went. I, you know, for me it was. Um, I graduated in '76, so. Okay. Yeah, and I was in the '80s. You were a little slower. Well, I've always been a little slower, Tom. Well, but you, you're you're alleging you're ten years younger. I went you. back in 1983. Right. I went back to school. And it was your original statement alleged you were ten years younger than me, to those who just happened to be listening. Um, no, I would never allege such a thing. <laughs> you're, you're still, you're still old. Yes, I. <laughs> and, and, and so am I. And it doesn't, you know, we we can we can play how how uh, can us moss older. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. We're no. both old. We're both decrepit. But I, I just, I don't, I, I do wonder sometimes that people who open these cans of worms, do they have any idea where this stuff might land? I mean. The, the, the current situation wasn't so hot, the NCAA, but it, it sort of worked for a long time for a lot of people. And if you really, you know, cut away the wheat from the chaff, at a $70,000 school, you're probably talking how many people really deserve more than seventy grand or are worth more than seventy grand. 20? Yeah, I've always said that that there, there's there's no reason to discount the value of the education, and it's an especially good deal for the people who are you know who, who are not primary stars. They're not star players. They might not be. Uh, they might not even be getting on the field very much. And for them, it's a great deal. the The question gets to be is at what point does just the scholarship, the tuition, room and board. Uh, when when does that not reckon, uh, uh, match the economic value that the athlete creates? Well, plus the NCAA, NCAA, in their infinite lack of wisdom, pushed it so far that if some guy was in a, was was taking theater, he couldn't be in a play during the summer because they owned his image and likeness. Where, where that came from, I have no idea. Yeah. So, so they, yeah. So, so they and and, and then and then seemed to be astonished when uh, when they got busted on that. Yeah. Like I said, I've said it a hundred times. I remember John's brother, uh, the late Paul, that you're in, one of the nicest men I ever met. Played for Cal. He he was going to do it. He was going to be an actor. It's one of these places, Coles or someplace, contacted him to do a to do flannel shirt ads in the summer in the catalog. He wasn't wearing his Cal hat or uniform. Nobody wasn't even his name's wasn't even going to be on it. Oh no, you can't do that. Why? They they pushed it, and I look what it. Now, whenever you push something, it ends up pushing back at some point, right? Uh, you squeeze the balloon, the bu- uh, the bubble's just going to move. The air yep. bubble's going to move. And uh, so now, now where are they? Now, now, how are the state of Illinois attorney general is involved in this? Does he have a kid or something that wants to transfer a second time? No, he's just he he just understands that uh, you know the, the the poor student athletes are oppressed. Um, I want to know the the idea. <clears throat> I tell you what, I mean, I I don't have any kids. You do. If, if 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 I had a kid, male, female, I guess, well, he can be any kind of kind of kid now, uh, that has a scholarship, decides they're not playing as a freshman, 
enters the portal and nobody picks him up and they call home and say pops write the $70,000 check I'll say you're on your own I mean that, that, that could be the dumbest thing I've ever heard Kevin and how many kids yeah, are what, doing it what were you thinking yeah giving up a scholarship yeah well um, Katie who was on a couple of weeks ago um, when what was it, her uh, might have been her sister or my, her aunt Kathy who's my really good friend driving in the car with uh, one of the girls and one of their friends who got this volleyball ride to, I think, <clears throat> maybe Ole Miss someplace. And Kathy says to her, uh, what, uh, you know, are you happy to go down there? Well, I'm just letting you know, if, if I'm not starting, I'm not staying. <laughs> and Kathy's a Southside Irish girl. She goes, you're not even there yet. You're already moving? <laughs> Give a break, will you? <laughs> you're already pissed off. you <laughs> You're not even there yet. You're already you're, you're pissed off. At, at least very prepared to be pissed off. Yeah. What, what if you don't start till second year? I'm out of there. Okay, then. <laughs> it's the mentality, I guess. We, we just don't get it, Kevin. But uh, somehow or another, it's, uh, I don't know, I guess we're entitled to we're doing something. What um, what do you make of, uh, I want to ask, ask, ask you, I uh, watched the guy's, guy play a little bit because he's on some of the national games this year. I mean, I'm really... I'm really taken with with this Otani guy, but I, I'm not I'm not 50 million a year. I mean I'm not even there. I mean the guy may never pitch again, and that's a hell of a lot. Even though he's a really good designated yeah, hitter, that's a real lot. It's a big risk on his long term prospects as a pitcher, and we are pretty sure already that he's not going to pitch next next year. So yeah, so um, in my world, look, I suppose. You know, from the Cubs' standpoint, they're looking at it, and from the economic standpoint for them, um, the uh, they own their own uh, streaming platform. They have total control over a whole lot of their media, and so they can make a lot of money streaming into Japan and the rest of Asia, um, and, and there will be a big demand if they sign Otani. So you can make the economic case for it, and that's fine. That, that, that's good that they can do that. But I can make the economic case for saying, go sign Bellinger, go get you know one of the uh, top pitchers, and maybe another ball player for the same price, and you'll be better off. I would not even come close. I'm going to sound like Mr. Cheapskater, but <clears throat> but people are good at spending spending other people's money, right? It's Corey Corey Bellinger. You said two good years out of five. I really like the guy as a ball player. Well, he, no, he's had he's had more than two. He was he was good for a few years when he was with the Dodgers. He wasn't he wasn't just one year one good year of the MVP. He had maybe, but but I'm saying he comes coming off a injury rehab. I I'm not betting on him lasting eight years. Eight give me eight good years in a row. Why would I? If I don't have to sign him for eight years, that's that's different. You know, we don't know what the market's going to be for him yet because uh, nobody Bor- knows what the market's going to be until they sign Otani. So uh, somebody signs Otani. Well. Boris is already up to seven or eight years on him, I think. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I'll go with uh, uh, Uncle Junior's statement, but I'd have to clean it up. You know, I I, I want to uh, um, open parentheses, uh, have a uh, a hot night with uh, close parentheses Angie Dickinson. Let's see who gets lucky first. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm. I guess we're. Why doesn't? Why can't somebody? First of all, out of uh, <clears throat> talking about economic stuff, in the immortal words of Marty O'Connell, the guy who taught me everything about options when I came to the floor, uh, and he, Marty's a Notre Dame grad. Uh, he actually was Dick Belden's roommate, and Marty is a good friend. Uh, he got his uh, 
his law school and his MBA from Stanford after graduating uh, after graduating Notre Dame. So we're talking about a high-end dude. Actually, I think he taught it, uh, <clears throat> business at Stanford for a few years, too. But he, he was, uh, he said he can't think of anything dumber than major league owners when it comes to the, uh, you know, the, the free agency. Because if you have free agency and you have the reserve clause, or the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, arbitration clause, he said the owners can't be dumber. Because if, if you take four or five people every year or ten people, and these are the only people you can bid on, and they're, they're, they're capable of changing the balance of power, well, everybody else is locked up. Those people are always going to make more than they are than they are quote worth. And then if you have an arbitration system, yeah, in other words, you're introducing scarcity into the market. Yes, and then, but then if you sit there and go, there's one left fielder around. It's really good. He goes for ten million a year. Well, now every other left fielder who, who has the same batting average thinks he's worth ten mil, and the arbitration clause essentially gives it to him. When if everybody was a free agent tomorrow, they wouldn't be making ten mil, would they? Because certainly not as many guys. Would. Not as many. I mean, it, it, you it, know, a, a guy like Juan Soto, yeah, maybe. Well, okay, but there's a there's, I but, don't. But but, but you you know you're you're not uh, Juan Soto's not everybody. Well, but it all it also comes down. I would not again. I really enjoyed watching Bellinger this year, but I'm going to say that if his price evidently they're up to twenty million on him. Maybe more than that. I'm going to say him over, let's say, a regular center fielder. Uh, put put the kid in there who's the, the the Cubs have, who's probably just as good defensively, maybe even a little better. This, he throw arms yeah. Arm, yeah. So okay, he hits. What do you what do you figure? Bellinger is going to hit more hits than that kid. Yeah. So you're you're working the delta there. Yeah. You're, you're saying okay, he's worth twenty five more hits, ten more home runs, maybe more. Now, the connect twenty million. If I go to uh, four other positions on the field, or three other positions, or some serious backup, or a DH, or someplace, can I get for twenty million bucks? Can I get twenty hits a year or twenty-five hits a year? And the answer I'm saying is yes. You don't need him for that. God help you if he gets well, hurt. That, and that's that's actually the uh, Billy Bean approach. You know. That, yeah. Uh, if you if you read Moneyball rather than only saw the movie, you sort of get a really full description of that, and um, uh, and and how they do that because they just sort of treated it like stringing together a bunch of derivatives. Where I say if I get a little of this and I get a little of that, you know, if I lose if I lose one guy, uh, how do I fill in with uh, at two positions by upgrading two positions instead of one, and all of that. So I, I get what you're saying there. Um, and, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think that there's an unlimited price there for Bellinger or for anyone else that you should pay. Um, you, you do have to manage, uh, you have to manage the business part of what you do. Nevertheless, I, I think Cody Bellinger is a good ball player. He's a guy who uh, had to relearn, you know, learn to, uh, to hit in different ways. Um, a lot of people will complain that he doesn't make as, you know, that his hard contact numbers, which is one of the stats that the uh, stat hounds love um, weren't as high but I would also say he was a guy that learned to put the bat on the ball when he got two strikes on him and make sure that he put the ball in play and a lot of times those were you know little lobs over the third baseman's head and things like that and I consider that a good thing so well when, um, I'm, when I'm pitching I consider it awful but it was effective 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drive you nuts. Yeah. So I, you know, and and so I, I, and Cody Bellinger might be your first baseman of the future, not uh, with Pete Crow Armstrong coming up, and and you know I think that could be fine. The Cubs have some really nice first base prospects too, um, so you know maybe maybe uh, maybe they just say, well, he's not a priority. I, you know, that's up to them. That's their decision making. I like him as a ball player, and uh, and I think he's you know I think he's good. He's good at multiple positions. Guys like that are hard to find, so uh, you know I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him return, but I I do agree, you know, not at any price. Well, because we we they put these people up, I'll say on a pedestal. Well, they're only so how long you got to be <clears throat> playing ball before you're at this this spot. Maybe he says the oh God, the the uh, and that's so observant. People of the world will tell you, yes, there's free agency in baseball. I will say, bull bleep. There is free agency after what fifteen years in the game. There's no free agency in minor leagues. There's no. Well, it's, oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. You're all the way up, and how was it? Five or six years. If they screw with you in May, like they did, uh, uh, the guy in the Cubs, Boris is good on that. Or the Cubs don't bring a guy up till May. They can't do that anymore. They can't, okay, but they did that for a while. So you're up to out of all the people, and they they draft what thirty people? Thirty teams draft thirty people. That basically enslave them, and well, they go to college, but then after after junior year, they have to go again. So, how many people out of all those people that are in the Major League Baseball system are free agents every year? One percent. Well, it's uh, well, again, under contract is is different from uh, you know from what what you're talking about with the minor leagues and what you're talking about with the restrictions during your during your first six years of baseball. Um, but I can't. Not under, they're not under contract for that term. But once you're under contract, who cares if you're a free agent or not? You've made a commitment um, to uh, you know to a, a certain set of terms, and that is totally out of the discussion as far as I'm concerned about how free are the free agents. Well, no, my my point is the uh, if if you and I got drafted as a shortstop for the Cubs, I don't think we'd have been drafted as shortstops, um, and, and we're just with the Cubs. And all of a sudden, we find out they have five shortstops, or maybe the Angels don't have anybody. We should be able to, in my opinion, if the draft was three or four rounds instead of thirty, and you and I weren't in the first round, which they might have, they pay us enough where they actually cared about us. We should be able to go anywhere we want. I mean, football is way better now. There's only seven you, rounds. You, I think you realize what you're saying is you love you love the way the transfer portal is set up now because that's exactly what happens. Um, the difference is those they're not. That's a, a total mess from another from another problem. You know what I'm well, saying? Yeah, but um, you know, you, you, a little while ago you argued for, hey, they sunk money into you, and uh, and then they're they're leaving with no compensation. No, no I'm talking about before but, you even. St- in many cases, a lot of these guys leave because of who's in front of them and how many are in front I, of them because they've recruited over them. I, I, get, I get it. I'm saying that there, there's a difference. They weren't drafted to go to Notre Dame, where minor league player is drafted by the Cubs. And can't change. There's a big difference there. But here, I, I ask this question. We're going to break. Um, why in these five and six year uh, contracts? Why isn't there a sliding scale in there? Why isn't there? Um, we think on a scale of one to ten, you're a seven and a half center fielder, which Bellinger probably is, right? Maybe an eight, seven and a half. Um, <clears throat> we're going to pay you as a seven and a half this year. By the way, that's 
15 million bucks or some huge number. Next year, if you're a nine, we're going to bump you. But if you drop back to a four, why are we paying you? I mean, if and, and the reason the reason for it is is the players have bargaining power and they don't want contingencies. They want to get paid. But what if, if they I get better? I, well, then then everybody wants to renegotiate, and that's why they that's why yeah. they keep putting <clears throat> opt outs in the contract. Uh, contract. You're you're given the uh, Scotty Pippen search, uh, situation. You know, he had had back surgery. He uh, he wanted the security of a long term deal. And a few years later, when he was uh, all-star, you know, perennial all-star Scottie Pippen and uh, considered one of the uh, best players of all time, then uh, then he uh, wanted a renegotiation. And Reinsdorf told him when he signed the Oh, contract, but I don't believe Reinsdorf don't sign was... This. Oh, that's bull. Reinsdorf cannot, cannot come off as the good guy in this. No, he can. He could be right, though. He, there's no way on earth... Did Reinsdorf ever said, told him? Who said good? What did I? Say? I didn't say good guy. No, I just said you know he he gave him a business proposition and he said you know you sign this we're doing it for eight years we're not tearing it up they did the same thing. He with knew. Jordan. He but knows when Jordan when Jordan got to the end of his contract and he could sign one year deals way over the max then he was getting thirty and forty million a year so um, you know so that's just the way it worked but. Um, you know, I would say don't sign a long-term contract if you don't want to live it, uh, live by it for the rest of the, the time. The people you're signing it with, I mean, I say, they, I think they have access to more. I'm putting it this way, there, there's a guess in here when you sign these contracts regarding inflation, economy, and other things. Both both people are making a guess. If if I stay steady, which which you know nobody does as they age, uh, but if I Actually, Bellinger's enough to where he could stay steady for a while. He's young enough to get hurt. Um, if if I stay steady, what is a, an eight out of scale, one to ten left fielder going to be making five years from now? I mean, when Magic Johnson signed his contract, he didn't realize, and neither did the Lakers, that the world was going to explode. Where in three years, because of all the inflation, all the other stuff, that a million dollars now became chump change. There was no way he or the Lakers could have known that. That was beyond. Both of their reach, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To the point where that's that's what happened to negatively. That's what happened to Soriano. Soriano actually was a really good ball player for the Cubs. Just he got paid at a time where the next five years was damn near. A, I won't say a depression, but it was it was like an economic non-growth period. To where all of a sudden, the eight million dollars they were paying him, the Cubs figured by history. That in eight years, that eight was going to become ten or twelve, and he will be just marginally paid. Well, that didn't happen. Where the, the prices actually went down over the years he was he had his contract, right? To where eight million dollars, he was he should have been a superstar, and he wasn't. But he just was him. Am I wrong? Well, and it was it was hard for him to live up to uh, uh, the contract. So but you it, can be yeah. a good ball player and not live up to the contract. He also struck out way too, way too damn much for my taste. But that's well. another issue. Um, so, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Tom, but if you, you know, which way do you want to have it? Do you want the security of a long-term contract, or um, do you uh, do you want to put yourself at risk, but uh, uh, but with high reward? I would probably want to be in the middle. <laughs> I would take the Ryan Sandberg approach. Well, I, I will tell you that uh, the Major League Baseball players and their agents don't want to be in the middle. They want they want the money. They want the money guaranteed. Um, and uh, if they can get themselves an opt-out, they love opt-outs. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well. But, uh, uh, you know, and, and so that, you know, that gives them the right to stay with the contract if, uh, um, you know, if they don't do as well. And, uh, and but if they do, then I'm going to opt out and be a free agent. No, what I'm, I'm saying you is... Know, that, that's where Bellinger is now. I'm saying if I was a, a rookie that came in and was doing exceptionally well my second year, I might go for the triple salary and add one more year kind of thing. That's what the Sandberg thing was. But yeah, I'm, well, a lot, of, a lot of players do that. The White Sox love yeah. to do that. And I think that makes kind of more sense for a player because they... The last thing you want to do is be playing a game that's you know that hard to play. Say all I got to do is make it four more years, and I'm going to make ninety bazillion. Well, you might not make it four more years. Yeah, the Brewers just did that with their top prospect. They they just signed him like for eight years. Um, but but it, it's you know it's it's not at the uh, the king's ransom that he might get in a few years. Well, the, SP guy's Futures, played, the guy's only played a little bit of one year in the majors. Wow. SP Futures only down five now, and the SP Futures down 42. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello, no back Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. He's uh, Greg Pappas on the board. We get, uh, we're done with uh, this traffic weather sports. I got a great uh, report here about excess profits. That's what you guys were making last night. Excess profits, Greg. With all those people drinking at your place. So, somebody's mind are excess. In your mind, we got a good night finally. Just saying. It's all a question of point of view. The uh, S&P futures... Down six, Nasdaq futures down 46. This is coming for a nice day yesterday. Actually, this afternoon, really yesterday afternoon, we rallied all the whole way up. Uh, we were yesterday. The Dow was only up 62, but the S and P's were up 36. That's a lot. Nasdaq was up 193. Was up over 200 for most of the time. So that's almost one and a half percent. So kind of a real nice day after three kind of clunker days, and uh, was good for us. Good for the good guys. So I, I liked it. Uh, over Asia, Nikkei down another 550, 1.7%, 32,307. Hang Seng only down 11, but still down, 16,334. Shanghai up two, or up three, I'm sorry, to 2969, still not going anywhere back to 3,000. So they're in a world of hurt over in the, over in the continent over there. I, I don't know where that's all going to shake out, if it's going to make any inroads here. Russell seems to think it's a, you know, it's a bomb waiting to go off, but so far it hasn't. DAX up 29.2%, FTSE up 12.2%, S&P 
CAC around up 52.7%, so mildly up over there. Again, these numbers we usually flip around here before this labor number, and then we take a stab in one direction or the other. Uh, anyway, we'll have that at 7.30. Uh, Barnes up 6 basis points, 4.18. The Bund up 5 basis points, 2.24. Japan up to 0.77 after they were 0.60 two days ago. So that's a big move up for those guys. Oil up a buck twenty-seven, over seventy bucks, seventy sixty-one. Still no hint of the one twenty everybody's calling for. The Brent up a buck thirty-five, seventy-five forty. Natural gas unchanged, two fifty-nine. Arbob up four cents to two hundred four. Arbob was down to two dollars. That's that's really something. Gold down ninety cents, two thousand forty-five. Right locked in the middle of this two thousand to twenty-one hundred range. Silver up five cents, twenty-four eleven. Copper up three cents, three eighty-two. We have crypto uh, down, I'm sorry, up 522, 43,722. And we have the U.S. dollar, pretty much it's slightly slightly uh, higher. The euro down to 107.8. The British pound down to 125.7, but very little bit of movement there before this number. Greg, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Good morning, everyone. 45 degrees in Chicago right now, 56 today with some sun. Breezy. Phoenix, 49 degrees right now, 72 today, mostly sunny. Traffic. Inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 10 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 23 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 21 minutes. The Rhine, 95th to the Interchange, 37 minutes. And the Stevenson, 294 to the Rhine is 20 minutes. Hawks win at home against the Ducks, that was 1-0. Philly wins at Arizona, that was 4-1. NBA Bulls play at Spurs tonight, and the Kings are at the Suns. And last night in the NFL, Patriots win at the Steelers. That was a big upset. That was uh, 21-18. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. The Steelers, I thought they were uh, starting to do better, and all of a sudden, clunk, eh? Clunk. Big clunkers. The, uh, <clears throat> well, they had, you, they had your buddy, your boy, Mitch win. Trubisky on there. Yeah, so Trubisky did the uh, Bears a favor by kind of sucking, and uh, so now uh, um, the uh, um, Carolina has two fewer wins than the next worst team. Um, are we going to, we gonna, we're not really going to draft this guy from Southern Carolina. I hope not. Look, I, I think, I, you know, I, I think uh, um, Justin Fields is a victim of coaching malpractice. I would rather see, because I, I think he's got talent, but these guys, you know, the, the way they've handled him, first of all, the play calling is abysmal. I think, uh, I think um, uh, uh, Getsy is just an, a god-awful play caller. You know, what did he call, like 15 screen passes last game? Um <laughs> Let, let, let me ask, let me ask you this. Almost all of which didn't work. Let me ask you this: uh, If you're the offensive coordinator, and I say to you, Kevin, I want your play call for this game. I want your most imaginative thing. But let me tell you one thing: the line can't block. We got maybe one lineman that knows what he's doing, maybe two, and the line can't block. And oh, by the way, we have to help with the tight end all the time. We can only have three people in the pattern because we have to help with somebody. Give me your give me your best game, and you're sitting there going, you just you just put my arm in a sling for God's sake. Well, uh, yeah, w- uh, what I might do if uh, you know, because I get to be an armchair quarterback here, because um, you're asking me to be one, is yep. I might say I have the most mobile quarterback in the whole damn league. I might get him out in the, out of the pocket and moving a little bit so that he's a threat to run and he's a threat to pass and. But I take it back even further, and when I say a victim of coaching malpractice, you go back to the start of the season, and they tried to make him into a pocket passer and and totally eliminate from his game 
what he does really well. Now, do I, you know, do I think you want your quarterback to be a runner forever? No, but you go from where he was last year to shock therapy. We're going to make him. Uh, uh, we're going to make him a completely different guy. If you're really trying to do that with somebody, you do it over a period of time, step by step, um, and so you start incorporating some of the pocket passing into the game. But you don't just say, "Oh, totally different this year," and we're not going to use your, you know, we're not going to use your established skill set. I think that's stupid. I wouldn't do that with any employee, let alone a quarterback. And so that's why I say it's coaching malpractice. They've decided that they wanted that they wanted him to be something he isn't. And they didn't want to do it step by step. They wanted to do it all at once, and I, I just think that's idiotic. I uh, I don't disagree, Kevin. I just it seems as the is the the season wears on, and even as the game wears on, especially in the last few minutes, even if you can keep a team off balance for most of the game by running and doing a little bit of that stuff, at some point you have to be no matter who you are, even if you're. Justin Fields, if you're any you know running quarterback, at some point you need to be able to three or four plays in a row drop back in the pocket and not get annihilated and not have to run. I mean, and they can't do that. The other teams can. Well, actually, you know, they they were able to do it against Detroit. They were able to, you know, they have had games when they've been able to do that. When they, but they spent most of the season when their line wasn't healthy. Yeah. And so, if you're saying, you know, you're making my case for me because they tried to make him a drop back quarterback when all of the linemen were out injured. Well, that, I, that I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being the, on the side of the the coaching. We both start out by saying the guy hasn't had any coaching. Plus, the stuff he has, he's a different person seemingly all the time. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just. So you know, we had a, in, my, in my world, I you know I, I think with the uh, um, the right offensive coaching, he uh, he could be very good. My you know my biggest bigger concern about Fields isn't his ability, um, and it isn't even his head. It's more like um, uh, you know it, it's the he, he's epileptic, and that that could get in the way of his career. Well, I, I mean. I'm, and and, and that's that's a legit concern, and I think the Bears have to be prepared for that. I don't know that that means you go draft the uh, quarterback from Southern California or you go draft the quarterback from North Carolina, but you know, in my world, I, I'd say you got him one receiver. Yeah, think of think of Terry Bradshaw, and even though the game is very different from what it was uh, back in Bradshaw's time, Bradshaw took a good four, almost five years to really be the quarterback who was an All-Pro quarterback. Well, if you think about what happened is Pittsburgh drafted him first in the draft because they had the worst record. Um, and, uh, and so Pittsburgh, um, you know, that's what they had. It wasn't until, like, year three that they got Franco Harris. It wasn't until after that that they got Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. You know, it, I mean, it took them time to get the weapons as well as to get the quarterback coached up. And, uh, you know, and I... I, I just have this fear that they're going to go draft a quarterback in the, with the first pick. They're going to cut fields loose, and somebody who really has a good offensive coach is going to get their hands on him, and he's going to be very good for them. It was the Steelers. You forgot one guy, though. They already had me, Joe Green. Yeah, okay. So they had one guy on defense. But they had, they had a defense coming, and for the first few years, the defense carried Bradshaw, and then when those guys got long in the tooth, he carried them. Yeah, and and you know, and early in his career, 
um, you know, the Pittsburgh fans, they were cheering. They wanted Terry Hanratty instead, and uh, and then they wanted uh, Joe Gilliam instead. You know, it was anybody but Bradshaw, and then all of a sudden Bradshaw's an all-pro quarterback for them because he's got weapons. He's got blockers. Your, your blue-collar towns. Where the Bears, that's where the Bears need to be focused. What do blue-collar towns all have in common, Kevin? The most popular uh-huh. man in town is the second-string quarterback. Well, that plus the, the most popular man in town is, is the backup quarterback. Well, I think that's true of any team that isn't very good. But t- let me ask this because I want to cover this article here. Uh, let me ask you this. And we got to talk about Hunter Biden's uh, getting charged with nine felonies. Oh, God. The guy's nine miles of bad road. Well, he is nine miles of bad road. But the, the thing is, this is all tax evasion stuff. This is all stuff that was going to get swept under the rug with that plea deal that didn't happen. Yeah, they, that's the weirdest thing. They, they, boy, they pushed that thing too far, didn't they? They had, they had one right in front of them. And they, and they well, yeah, they, they had a judge who was astute enough to notice it because it was kind of buried in a place where you usually don't bury that stuff. Yeah. So, um, so you know, kudos to the judge. But uh, the, the point of it is one, one of the most interesting parts of it is that the strategy that they had was we'll just say that this stuff is loan repayments. Um, you know, what is the official line on the money that went from Joe Biden's brother uh, to him after a deal, you know, after one of their deals? It was a loan repayment. Um, you know, this, this, this is the new, the new line. Because if you remember, Joe never talked to his son's business partners, um, and then he never talked to them about business. They were just going to talk about the weather. And now we know that there are hundreds of emails out there from a... Um, an email address that is not Joe Biden it is a pseudonym for it so he's trying to hide that from uh, 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 from FOIA requests and 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 of course the with the we, they get him he says follow the money where's the money they find the money he says, well that was just a loan repayment oh yeah you got the you got the original documents you got the original disbursement let's see that uh, I don't know <laughs> Kevin, what what is I gotta ask what what is with these people? This guy is as corrupt as hell. What is with these people? Yesterday was, I think I might have sent it to you. I see this report of all these people that are high up here in the teachers union and a couple in the city of Chicago. They don't even pay their utility bills. They're back, and they're all making like two two fifty a year in these jobs. And how do you get backed up ten years on your utility bill without them turning the damn thing off on you? Then. I have no idea. I, I'm sure that when they get the threat to the uh, utility bill, they call them up and say, do you know who I am? Well, the, the one lady ended up with, a, with a, a repayment plan, an easy payment plan, and after three months, she didn't stop that. She's the head of the teacher. She head of the teacher. What is, what is with this entitlement stuff that these people think they have? I, I, I don't know. I guess you and I were born at a wrong time, but hey, I, have a, I have a question for you. Here's an article here talking about turning the page, but you're my economic guy here. You don't know you are, but you are. There's an article here by uh, Jenny Reed. Now we've heard, you know, the president talking about these companies made excess profits and blah blah blah. And you know, I economics in terms of price theory. It's, it's Tom. It's they have to pay their fair share, which apparently didn't apply to his son. Oh uh, no! Well, it never applies to anybody. <laughs> I don't. Know. You and I are different. We think the rules apply to us, but look how popular we are. We think we think the rules apply to us and everybody. That, that's obviously that's not the mindset of today's world, or maybe it has never been for some people. Anyway, uh, new research argues that the impact of companies maintaining margins 
by passing on higher prices to consumers should not be overlooked as a contributing factor to inflation. Researchers say this has made inflation peak higher and remain more persistent. They note that corporate profits are not the sole cause of inflation and do not cause shocks such as to the energy market. They note that the big international energy and food firms have an outside influence on the wider economy. Duh. Duh. Why don't we put any pharmaceutical firms in there in hospitals? We could have added them too, couldn't we? Uh, yeah. Why, why don't people, people in general, I'm not accusing everybody, certainly not our listeners, why don't people realize that that everybody doesn't have a clue when it comes to economics. You let these places form. You let the Home Depots, you let, you know, the Kmart, which I know they were, they were, they were the only store in town. There, All of a sudden, one day, you get prices going up. Some people can pass prices on, and some people can't. One of the toughest uh, courses I ever took, but I hated the course, um, Milton Friedman was the, uh, the theory of price. I saw there were more curves every every time there was a class. My my whole head was curves, price curves, demand curves, calculus. And I'm like, I don't need this. It is so complex. And, and Milton Friedman's biggest word was the hardest thing to teach in economics is that certainly in the short term, price, cost has the, the price you pay has nothing to do with cost of the person that you're buying, especially if it's in a competitive area, because it's not. If all of a sudden you're the only umbrella salesman on the block and you got 40 umbrellas and it's pouring, what difference does it make what you paid for them? The price is going up, right? Yeah. If not, you're an idiot. Um, Maybe you're gouging. Maybe you're an idiot. Um, Everybody talks about when the price of oil goes up that all of a sudden the uh, the price of gas goes up. Maybe, maybe the, the, the oil company... The price at the pump goes up faster than the, than their cost of production, maybe not. Right now, I'm going to say the refinery margins are as low as I've ever seen them. If Tommy Shannon was here, he could tell me exactly where they were, but he's not. I don't. But I'm going to say, look at the difference between the price of oil and the RBOP. It's now. Does anybody give a rat's behind about a refinery? If if they show up, if you, if you just bought a tanker of oil at, at four dollars a gallon, and all of a sudden next week. Somebody else got it at three eighty nine, and they're selling it for three ninety four. Does anybody care if you lose six cents? It has nothing to do with what you paid for it. If in any kind of competitive area, if some farmer had a reseed because he had a flood in his field early on, he's not going to get any more than anybody else, is he? But uh, probably not. But so the idea that you allow these places to combine, combine, combine—why is it a shock to a third grader that Home Depot can pass along the cost? They're the only person there. Maybe a Lowe's around, and if you're in the Midwest, you might have a Menard. But who else is there? Yeah, if you're not if you're not in a uh, a, a truly competitive market, and and there's a you know there's a certain amount of competition there. They're not devoid of it, but um, you know, and I and I you know you can always save big money at Menards. Um, yeah, actually, I actually do think they keep having them in Chicago with the Lowe's and Home Depot makes the area more competitive. I believe that. Okay. Uh, Anyway, uh, point being um, that, uh, you know, if you have any kind of pricing power, you're going to use it, especially when your costs go up. But they don't, you know, they don't price, hardly anybody uses cost plus. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're letting the market to as much as they can. They're getting whatever they can for it. They're not necessarily, uh, 
um, saying, well, I've, I've got to mark up 15% or I've got to mark up 35% or whatever number you want to use, that, that's not typically what's done. But in the restaurant business, and, and Greg, if, if you and I, and Greg, because he knows the business better than we do, if we had a restaurant that was, now again, we can implied costs and other stuff here because this would not be an A paper, but if we have a building that we've owned forever and maintained, and we have a restaurant, and all of a sudden the price of a hard drink is 15 bucks because everybody else's lease is to the moon, you know what? I don't. We may choose to charge 14 as a way to increase the people coming in the door. We may, we may make that decision, saying that that 8% drop in price is going to cause us you know, 10% more in people, so we're going to end up with more money on top of it. We may choose to make that, but we're, we're under no obligation to charge 10 bucks for that drink. For, why do you, when people enforce No, absolutely not. Yeah. And, you know, so, and when your costs go up, you're going to do whatever you can because, you, you know, A, you don't want to operate at a loss. And, uh, and then from there, um, you know, you, uh, not, not only do you not want to operate at a loss, but you want to maintain a healthy project, uh, pro- uh, profit margin. The, the catch there, of course, is that, um, you know, there, there is some price at which nobody's going to buy. And, and you're seeing that. You're yeah. seeing that in industry because people don't go out as much. Well, one of my uh, friends who's in the liquor business, not a bartender, but sells liquor, um, and Greg, if you want to, you can speak to this. At the end of the year, a lot of times there's these massive specials where literally they want to get last year's wine off the shelf or out of the warehouse. And if you're willing to buy, let's say, a whole pallet of you know some halfway decent wine, it can be $4 a bottle, $5 a bottle, if you're willing to take like 100 cases. Well... Some places have the storage for that, some don't. And if you don't, you just bleep out of luck, but if you do, you do. And we went to this German place on the south side about three, four years ago. All of a sudden, the guy's got a special on some German wine. That, you know, I'm not a wine connoisseur, but I thought it sounded halfway decent. Then it was 10 bucks a bottle or something. I'm going, what the hell? So I buy some, and Kathy says, that's, that's really good wine. <laughs> I go, okay, so we buy it. And we're, you know, it was fine. She goes, I just sold that to him for three ninety nine a bottle. Um, but he's he's given you half the benefit of that. She goes, there's another restaurant that she named that the wine was good enough to where it would be thirty bucks on the menu, right? He's going to keep his fifty cases downstairs, and he's going to keep it at thirty bucks, and he doesn't care if it takes him five years. He's going to get every nickel out of it. One guy passed some of it on. That's because bottled wine doesn't spoil, too. Right. Um, but I'm saying he. There, there's two different two different points of view. One is I'll share my largesse with my guys, and make probably a little a little better margin than I normally do, and uh, or I'm just going to keep it down here. Nobody knows I got it for this price, and it's thirty bucks. It's a difference of how you do business, right? But yeah. I mean, but but there's no the less common. You don't you don't wait. I mean, I, I probably talk to how many young people over the last 20 years as Amazon's growing up, I've had people tell me right to my face, Kevin, their, their strategy is to put everybody else out of business, and then once they do, they're going to raise the prices like hell. And they go, that's good. That's just good business. Uh, really? Well, it's the putting everybody out of business part that you, that, that you can't work. Um, for, fortunately for us consumers, 
you do have some people like Walmart now making a run at them, and and successfully, as you've seen in oh, Walmart's yeah. numbers. How much do you think, uh, since you do a lot about distribution stuff, how, how big of a huge success in terms of money do you think the the Amazon delivering all this stuff themselves has been? Do you think it's been a, a monster success, an efficiency, or, or do they make way more money than UPS? Oh, or they no, now? They're, they're getting down the experience curve. And, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I can't say because I really haven't looked at their numbers that closely uh, as far as it. But what it has allowed them to do is it allowed them to define um, what the market is going to behave like when it comes to distribution. Um, you know, you remember when two-day delivery was a big deal, yeah, uh, and uh, and then people started being able to match it, and the and the only way they were really ever going to be able to squeeze it down to where it is now, which is you know within two hours in some cases, um, the the only way they were going to do that was to uh, to do it themselves. So that you know that that part of it has worked well for them because they have really set a standard for how delivery is going to work and what's going to be involved and. You know, I, 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 you know, I have a certain amount of respect for that. I know, you know, I know the other problems with, it, you know, lots of problems with Amazon as a business and business philosophies, but that particular one um, has been really good for consumers. Is that because of the delivery service or because of the distribution systems are close? Uh, it, the, well, it's because they built out the distribution service uh, system. You know, the the number of warehouses they have and where they're located is uh it, you know that that's what's really set in the market for them what is uh, it what's the difference and, in and and i will i i should send you the uh um, the presentation because we have a uh, holiday event tomorrow so at my supply chain management table um i actually have put together a whole presentation on how santa claus has built out his distribution network um greg did you did it's, greg, it's kind of fun but it's it's kind of amazonish greg did you get the heads up what are you guys serving? For what? To go to this thing tomorrow? Uh, pancake breakfast. Is it worth driving to South Bend for pancake breakfast, Greg? On Saturday morning? Yeah, I'll be, probably not. I'll eh? be sleeping. No, it, it is. It is, however, worth driving to South Bend just to hang out with me. Well, that's the truth. That is yeah. the truth. Um, yeah, it is. It is funny how people now are saying, well, "Hey, how come these people get to raise prices? Because they're they're cartels, you idiot." <laughs> yeah. So let me give you one last little news nugget um, before uh, before you kick me off and we uh, hand off to Carl, um, and that is that uh, backup quarterback um, for uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, his name is uh, his name is Gunner uh, Gunner Gundy. Played in three games last year, but he's the backup quarterback at Oklahoma State. Um, he is, his father is the head coach, Mike Gundy, and Gunner is in the transfer portal. <laughs> God, why does that not surprise me? It's a uh, uh, two questions. Um, you 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 opined the other day that the Duke quarterback was having a uh, walk around at Notre Dame. Are there any rules regarding recruitment in the portal? What like limits on numbers of visits yeah. and things like that that they have? I have no idea. Because they do have a lot for high school recruits, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there's like the five official visits and you know all, all of this kind of stupidity. Now, can you send like a private jet for this guy? You can't do that for a high school kid, right? Um, I don't know. Bray went and picked up JJ Starling in a Maserati. Oh god, 
Um, but he was up the road at La Lumiere, so he gave him, for his official visit, he gave him a ride uh, to Notre Dame in the Maserati. It worked, got him for a year, and then when Bray left, he transferred to Syracuse. Um, of the 1,277 people in the football portal that I saw the other night, what percentage of those guys are going to blow their scholarships, would you say? Probably uh, 35 to 40, I would guess. That, that's startling to me. but Well, in, in some cases, they don't care. You know, they, they just want to see what's out there. In other cases, they absolutely are making a, a, a silly decision. Um, so it, it just it, it depends, and it's case to case. A lot of those guys are going to um, ratchet down to lower levels. Um, and, you know, when you look at the portal, there's a whole lot of people from, you know, from division lower division schools that are in there, too. Um, where they're not getting full rides anyway. So we, we have to sort of sift through the numbers. It's still big and it's still bad for a lot of people. Um, and, but to really have a, a full grip on, the, uh, on what the numbers are would require a, a little more research than I'm willing to do. What kind, of, what kind of staff at Notre Dame, at Ohio State, at Northwestern do you have to have to essentially evaluate all these people? Um, I only know it from the basketball standpoint because that's the only time I've ever been able to discuss it with anyone. Um, from the basketball standpoint, uh, a lot of what happens with the guys who transfer is that they were recruited by that school in the first place. Okay. So there was all there's already a, a, an existing relationship. Um, so um, and and if not. They may transfer within the conference because the other coaches already know them because they played against them. So you see a lot of that in basketball. Um, Cormac Ryan uh, was was a good example. He um, he transferred to Notre Dame from Stanford, but Notre Dame recruited him and they knew him well. So as soon as he put his name in uh, into the database, they said, uh, "Okay, let's let's reach out to him and see uh, you know see if he's interested and get him here." And they got him here for a few years. And then he still had his uh, sixth year left, and Mike Gray left, so he decided he would go to North Carolina. Well, North Carolina's coaches have been playing against him for three years. So, hey, how did the one? I promise it was the last. But how did the, how did this kid get in his seventh year? I said thing the other day. How did he get, uh, how did he get seven? Oh, I'd have to see it. I thought six was the max max. Well, six is the max max. There are some guys though that get an injury way an extra injury waiver for a second injury. Ah. All right. Well, take care, bud. Have a nice week. Good luck tomorrow in your little shindig. Uh, real okay. quick, uh, SPV is down seven. Nancy is down fifty-six. We we'll have Mr. Carl Denninger real quickly. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, 
Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. 62 years ago today, it, it is a, a 45. Greg, do you, you ever even see a 45? Of course. Do you, do you have any? Uh, yeah, but they, I don't have a player. <laughs> the, uh, I'll bet Carl's got a bunch of them. Carl, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing okay, you know. It's uh, another one of those Fridays, right? The, yeah. The, the infamous ones that come about once a month. The ones that we wait for. The Every one of them is a key. A key, and then five minutes after it's over, well, we got to wait and see what happens next month. Yep, yep. Well, you know, we're leaking a little bit this morning on the futures. Yeah, uh, we had a nice run yesterday, and now we are... Well, it's kind of it, it's kind of interesting because uh, you know that started. I mean, there was you know there was a the little up and down kind of thing, but uh, you got to wonder if right about six o'clock, somebody Eastern time, you know, somebody might have gotten their hands on that. You think so? Well, you know, the White House does have it a day early. That's actually known. That's not speculation. I have a story for you regarding that. Well, you know, of course, nobody's supposed to. Have it out, right? Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, I have a story. Want to hear my story? <laughs> sure. There I was, minding my own business. Uh oh. Years and years ago, and I'm just moved to the north side, and I'm driving south to take my mom to breakfast, like I did every Saturday or Sunday. And uh, all of a sudden, they've got one of these interview shows on. I, I don't think it's on anymore. It used to be like a, it was like a meet the press thing. It was Saturday morning at like seven o'clock, because I'm the only knucklehead listening to it, right? And uh. They've got, uh, was it Schultz? Arthur Schultz? He was the Secretary of Treasury, and he was Secretary of State, too, wasn't he? I think he just recently died at like 102 or something. Yeah. Anyway, he's a yeah, yeah. brilliant guy. And uh, he must have known that he was on, I'm the only person in the country listening to him, right? The announcer says to him something like, you would never ask today except if it was you and me. He said, Secretary Schultz, when you got to the, the uh, Treasuries, and you have all these announcements. Weren't you concerned about who, who who gets the number early, basically? He goes, I know that the president must get it because he can't be walking out to the copter and somebody says, you hear about the labor number or, or the treasury number? And the guy goes, what number? <laughs> I mean, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work, does <laughs> that it? That doesn't work. And he goes, funny you should mention that. He goes, I asked the same question, and I get this list of all these people. And he says... I'm sitting there going, why are all these people on this list? They, they don't belong here. He said, I spent my first month trying to get some of those names off that list. He said, it, it was the hardest thing I ever had to do politically. Finally, I gave up. We just give it to him. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe he said that, Carl. Well, now, I don't think it's changed in over been the 25, 30 years since that happened. I was going to say, why, why would that surprise you? No, I mean, the fact that he said it like that. But he basically said it was the hardest thing politically I ever tried to do to scrub somebody's name off this list because I didn't think they should get the number early. And all of a sudden, I just gave up. I, I, I got no support. <laughs> I just gave up. I, I, wish I, I wish I had that interview somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just see, <laughs> you know, it's the ADP. Who are you talking about again, guys? Is it Ar- Arthur Schultz? The furniture guy? No, the Secretary of Treasury. No. Was it Arthur Schultz? I don't know. Was it, his last name was Schultz. Um, Schultz. Uh, I think it was George, wasn't it? George Schultz. George Schultz, I think, George. maybe. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, he, that's what he said. I'm sitting there going, but you know, I'll say this though, Carl. I'm going to say, as a trader, if you gave me the choice, if you you sneak out of hell and you got the pitchfork and you said, Tom, what would you really like once or twice? I, w- I would not want, I'd much rather have a Fed announcement than a labor number. Oh, labor- yeah, no, I, I think this, you know, this is funny because everybody, you know, everybody keys up on this one every month, right? But being somebody who trades, uh, I think this is one of the more useless numbers yes. to attempt to trade. Okay, I mean, in, unless you just like chop and uh, you know, but but in terms of actually trying to, if if I had it in advance, trying to okay, I'm going to come out here in the in the futures market and sit here on a bunch of e minis one way or another based on what I know, I think I get it wrong far too often. I, I'm going to what you're going to have happen. <laughs> I'm going to say, Carl, I was, I was never and never held myself out as one of these guys that you know can trade on a short term basis, other than if I see something totally get hammered or totally up too much I might take a little bit of stab or something I mean it's not like I'm a blooming idiot at it I'm, I'm better probably than the average person but I'm not good enough that that's how I make my living I, you know I do it I have a much more long term approach to stuff and I have things protected whatever so but the point I've never been any good at all in periods of time and sometimes there are periods of time like this and we're in one where the bad news is good news crap and the other way around I've, I've been horrible now, when you give me a Fed announcement early, I'm 90% on you, buddy. I'll, 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 I'll trade every single time if those guys leak somewhere. If somebody drops a, a bombshell speech in China in the middle of the night about maybe doing this or that with the interest rates, I'll, I'll score every time on that. Yeah, it's just this is the thing that I, that I find so fascinating is that when I look at the, you know, the overall macroeconomic picture, uh, that we have the balls in the air at this point from the standpoint of the markets where we are and and uh, you know I mean, you and I were talking about the current version uh, you know earlier right uh, when yeah. I was on the last time and and the fact that it has stayed here in this kind I mean it's a, it, it it hit another low uh, yesterday or two days ago and it's and it's hovering around there. I mean, it's uh, the TNX minus IRX is neg eleven right now. I mean, that's insane. Uh, and yet, there it is. I mean, it is what it is, right? And you've had this situation now that has been, um, uh, you know, essentially. I mean, you've been below the zero line here since uh, October of last year. Right. Well, I mean, look at what what you just said before. Let's say, for instance, like the numbers today, is, but they're looking at 190. Okay, right. The economy's appears to be slowing a little bit. That's not genius news on my part. Let's say the number comes out zero, which I right it comes out zero. Now, you and I that are very worried, and a lot of the other people that come on the show, and a lot of the listeners are worried about every man. And how if are we talking layoffs? Are we talking with these prices here? The last thing you need is a layoff, right? Uh, for every man. Probably this isn't so good if if it comes out that number. Now the market is going to go yippee because that means the Fed is going to turn right around. They're all they're all reaching to plug in the press. By the way, the the no news is good news. They're going to start pouring money. Interest rates are coming down, and the market's going to probably go straight up. I have, but then all of a sudden people look back and say, okay, now how bad are we really looking here? Because if it's real bad, 
we right. have to, you know, then then all of a sudden, if we start profits are going down and so forth, that it, it will affect the market at some point. I, I I'm just. I'll be honest with you. I'm horrible doing the short term. When I say short term, half hour to half hour crap when that's happening. I can't judge the good news, bad news scenario. I'm just not good at it. Well, uh, you know, the interesting thing about this this particular, you know, the, the the rate aspect, the curve aspect, is that it was it was roughly August ish of '06 when we saw this happen the last time, this inversion. And it had been coming down for a long time, right? It, it peaked back in 04, right? And so, you know, but it actually went negative in 06. And there was, you know, there was this this head fake in 05, in a, or the early part of 06. People got kind of weirded out. And then, you know, then things seemed to be kind of sort of okay, right? And that was the whole soft landing thing. You know, there's, there's going to be a crash, there, you know, subprime is contained, blah, 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 you know, all that nonsense, right? And, you know, the housing market's fine. There's going to be a serious problem. And then right at the end of 06, it went negative, but not real deeply. I mean, you know, you know neg three, neg four, or something like that. And the first few months of 07, um, the curve turned back positive again. Well, everything did not go down the toilet for like another year. <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right. So I mean, that's the you know the the fascinating part of this is that this this situation has been sitting here now for over a year. Right. I mean, it's we're we're coming up on a year and a half, and um, that's unusual. Well, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. If you don't mind, I want to dig deeper in what you're saying. Uh, when I started the business, and you remember this. When the interest rates were, we're talking 1980, the interest yeah. rates were, in the short term, they were like 15. Going out three or four years, they were 11 or 12. So you ended up with this massive downward sloping yield curve. But I'm going to lob you know, a, a formula at you, Carl, that you obviously know. Your, the real rate of interest ought to be I mean, I'm sorry, the, the, the rate of interest ought to be the real rate of interest, which is what people get for loaning people stuff they don't have, money. They're using my money, I, I should get paid for that. That's called the real rate of interest. Plus, the people's idea of what the inflation rate's going to be, because if you borrow 100 bucks from me, and that 100 bucks is only worth 98 at the end of the year, and everybody knows that, you've got to give me the 2 bucks plus the real rate of interest. Right? I mean, that's, 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 and that should get you to your interest, which should be probably at that point 5%, right? 2% inflation, 3% real. Now, well, you're back in the 80s, it was very logical. The inflation is now 12%, but we're going to fix this somewhat over the next five years, and inflation won't be 12% in five years, it'll be 9 And So there was a serious logic to the to the curve. Now, right. well, you're, now let, me, let me finish real quick. But you now what you're saying is absolutely true, but what's wrong? Is, is, is the formula wrong? Is the idea that people have decided nobody ever gets real interest on the money they're letting somebody else? I mean, that's the Amazon's view of the world. People give me their money for free. Banks, people give me their money for free. Has that part changed? Or for some reason, do people think in three or five years there's not going to be any inflation? I don't know where that's coming from. But one of those three things has to be screwed up for what you're talking about to take place. Which is it? Or is it all three? 
Well, I don't know. All right. But I mean, the other, you know, the other interesting thing is that everybody, you know, we all, we all have this, this lens of the pandemic, right? Because, you know, we had this three year period of hell, so to speak. Yeah. Except the rates were low before the pandemic. Well, well, they were, but the yeah. curve was, but the curve until it started to come apart in 22, uh, was positively sloping and increasing in slope. Right. All right. Which generally means that, hey, guess what? There's time value to money again. Well, there's supposed to be time value to money. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because well. you can't get today back no matter what you do. I don't care how much money you have, it makes no difference. But in 19, in the back half of 19, there was a mild inversion. And this was before anybody knew anything about COVID. Uh, and it, it didn't last very long. It was only a couple months long. But that's, that is a recession marker. And it always has been. And it's just simply because, you know, like you said, people think, well, you know, the Fed will come in and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, fine. However, that means that we think rates will be lower, uh, you know, five years from now than they are today. That's, I mean, that's all curve inversions telling you. When you really, yeah, I mean, that's that's what the market says, and it shows up in that statistic. Okay, fine, except, um, mind telling me how that happens while the federal government is running a 30-plus percent fiscal deficit? Well, that, that, that's the other bizarre part of it. How could they possibly be? But I mean, I, it, I don't I don't understand how you can get to where these people think this is going. That's it. I'm, we're... We're coming at this from two different directions. We're landing in the same spot. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, is, is the, do we have a, a, a generation now that thinks that people should never pay you to use your money? Is that- I, uh, I think we have a generation now, that it, it, and and I think it's it's the majority. I mean, I know some people in the finance industry. Okay, not you know not just you, but you know a bunch of others, right? That are one way or another involved in this stuff, and and asset management and stuff like this. And I, I've brought this up to them. I said, you know, a few years ago, I said, how, how can you possibly believe that negative real interest rates are a permanent phenomenon? Because what you're telling everybody to do is, is you know, for the long term, right? I mean, you know, forget about, you know, if I'm trading something because I think this company is a, is a pile of dog squeeze and it's going to blow up. That's a different situation. That is a that is a specific situation to one firm's stupidity or intelligence. Fine, but across the entire economy, uh, how do you how do you get there from here? How does who seems to have forgotten that mathematics is not a set of suggestions, and that any two exponential functions where one has a greater exponent than the other eventually explodes. Always. All right, and well, it seems like that's—it's not just uh, numbers. Okay, I mean, if you when you're a runner, I mean, I'm not a marathon runner, but I used to, you know, run five miles four days a week and stuff. But if if you take if you're going to run seven or eight miles, you say, hey, Carl, hey, Chief, you two idiots, at the four mile mark, four mile mark, especially on a warm day, have a drink of water. It's going to help you out. Okay, probably the answer to that is true. But if, if you, okay, hey, wow, I feel so much better with this little bit of water, it doesn't mean that I need to stop and, and drink two gallons. And right. Might, but it, the whole idea of this curve, I mean, I, mean, I spent a lot of years in school talking about how if the economy is such a way where real interest rates went from three to two and a half, and I'm doing, because I used to do this. I would sit there and, 
and figure out whether this project was worthwhile or not and you used to have a, rent, a rate attached to it, a percentage return and if all of a sudden you could bar, borrow money a little cheaper then generally, let's say you borrowed at 6 instead of 7 there might be a project or two now that you're going to do where you, where you wouldn't have done before which might mean a few more people working might mean a little something something and that's how you that's how this all works, right? But I'm not so sure that if they were, if they say, hey, Tom, here's, this, here's where we are now, the, the rate's zero and we're going to go to minus one. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not going to price anything at minus one. You're so, <laughs> you're, 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 you're so far toward the end of this that you so, how, how, can I, how can I assume this is going to be like this for the next three years? I mean, what, I mean, you reach the point where you're not even, I don't even know that it's, Mathematically, you're kind of off the edges, aren't you? I mean, whatever that means, it's not a mathematical. Yeah, term. yeah, I think you are. I mean, I had, you know, I had a conversation the other day uh, that I, you know, that I saw. I wasn't a direct participant in it, but it was it was put somewhere where I saw it. Uh, guy went into to finance a, a purchase, a property purchase, in in this area, okay, and uh, the. People he went and talked to uh, figured out that he really wasn't going to live there. That this was going to be one of those Airbnb, VRBO things, and uh, that he was he was basically going to commit fraud because that's not what he told them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they told him to you know go take a hike. Uh, in other words, they did an intelligent thing. Thank you very little. Uh, so he goes and he finds some other schmuck that will put this thing through and, and does the deal. Well. He comes back and, and in conversation with the with these other people at some point let's drop that he's only hit he's got five days booked in the entire month of December for this property now. Uh, that's not good. Uh yeah. I mean this was not a cash you know, see it's you know, as I've as I tried to explain to people and you know, I've said on the show, if you sell a bubble and you buy a bubble, the net is zero, right? It doesn't matter which you know you haven't really done anything right, right? you made an extra hundred thousand dollars on the house you sold but you paid an extra hundred thousand dollars for the house you bought um so what right i mean other than the fact that there's you know there's deed stamps on a, the deal and you know the commissions and things which of course are all percentage which has essentially happened in the last two weeks what you're talking about let's give an example the lady who had the las vegas sands Stock trading at fifty six times earnings. I'm not telling you to sell. I'm not no making no judgment here. Essentially, sold her stock at the incredible number of two billion dollars and invested that in a basketball team. Well, to her, right. it's monopoly money at that level. I mean, you, I mean, you and I would never if we if we let's put it this way: if we were making fifty bucks an hour breaking breaking concrete with our back and managed to get two billion dollars doing that, not only having the world's sores back on Earth. I doubt very seriously if we'd pay that up for a percentage of a basketball team. Yeah. The money would be worth so much different to us than it is to her. I'm not talking about her personally. It becomes funny money. If you, right. If your house was, you bought it at 100 now it's trading 400 You sell it for 400 and you buy another house for 405 you don't care. But, but the thought of you taking the money out of your purse or pocket and paying 400 for the place would probably blow your mind otherwise, right? Oh yeah, and it's and, but see that's the thing is you know I mean it's it, if if you're sitting on a house that you know a few years ago was worth two hundred thousand dollars now all of a sudden it's worth five, okay, and you need to move somewhere and you own it, um, well uh, okay, and the place in the new the the new house 
uh, was also worth 200 now it's worth five other than the fact that you get reamed on everything that has that is a percentage and the reaming is larger yeah uh other than that it's a lateral move it, it you you did not gain or lose anything everybody likes to oh look at how much money no you didn't make anything you need somewhere to live have a nice day uh you overpaid for the new place too well, if, so, if mean, you had the stone, if you had the stones, or we're not saying you should, anybody should do this, but I know a guy who did actually. If you had the stones to say, "I don't like where this is all heading," sell the place, rent for a year, and everything collapses, which we don't want to see happen. Well, there have been several people yeah, that, that, that have done that. Go back by your oh, own yeah. place back. Well, and then there's 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 also more. There's a couple people I know that have they they sold the place and they have a fifth wheel and they're living in it and they're traveling all over the country right now. Well, the the whole idea okay. of a house and is what well, it's going to sound somewhat sexist, but uh, it, it's an it's an odd investment because it's it's both a investment good and a consumption good. Most other things are one or the other. Well, my my view on your primary residence is that it is a consumer durable. And, okay, but, and, but it's saying it 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 is. Somebody, one of the two people, I'm not saying the guy or the lady, one of the two people might make a spectacular buy on a home. The timing is just right. Right. They get in at 150, and all of a sudden the neighborhood becomes hot as hell, and things worth 450. One of the two might say, wow, this, this, this it's never getting any higher. We might want to sell this thing and either move somewhere else for a while or even rent for a while. But then all of a sudden, one of the two is going to say, what are you talking about? This is our home. We got the kids in school here. We're the, the, we got all our crap in the garage. We're not going anywhere. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a it's a combined investment. That, right. But, but oh no, I, your, no, I understand. But that. Your, yeah. your stocks are not like that, or your bonds are not. I hope they aren't. Uh, you know, and, and and your car. I don't think most people think that you're going to buy a car for four thousand dollars, and two years later it's worth a hundred thousand. I mean, I. I've never done that. <laughs> Usually it goes down, right? Uh, not up. Right. So, I mean, it's it's probably the only investment that's, I use the term confused. You're using it, but it's also your biggest investment, usually. Yep. So, yep. Um, hey, what do we say? We're going to go to a break a little early here. What do you think? Are these investments at 190? Where are you? Uh, Well, I mean, if I had to take a guess, I would say 155. Okay. But we'll see. Are the household and the, the other ones are going to... Are they going to totally mismatch here, or are they going to match up? I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've always considered the ADP numbers to be essentially worthless, which is, just, if you think about it, there's got to be something wrong there because those guys process more payroll than anybody else, you know, everyone else added together. So how the heck are they always off? I, 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 don't, think, the, I don't think they are off for what they tell you. I, I, I think what you're getting is a cook number out of the, you know, yeah. Although, although well, I call them the Bureau of Lies and Scams, and I've done that for twenty years. Although, so there you go. Uh, my buddy John, Doctor J, has told me on several occasions that ADP has they're into the adjusting process too because they want to match up more with the the number that comes out today. And I don't know how that well, would work. I don't. I don't know do if you. I don't know if you're getting the pure. If it's just a pure number, how could it be wrong? It's a pure number. Well, they say it's the pure number. Uh, okay. Anyway, SP Futures down 875. <laughs> Nancy, we're going to go a little early. So when we come back, we'll have these numbers. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howe, Greg Peppers on the board. SP Futures now down 21. NASDAQ Futures down 122. I want you to do a real quick, uh, we're down 199 versus 190. So they were sort of spot on here. I want you to go real fast on traffic and stuff. There's other numbers that are going to be crazy until this comes over, so we'll go over those in a minute. We'll get right back to Carl as soon as Greg's done. All right, good morning, everyone. 45 degrees in Chicago, 56 today, some sun and breezy. 49 degrees in Phoenix and 72 today. Inbound Kennedy, we've got 12 minutes from Montrose to the interchange. The Edens is 28 minutes from Lake Cook to the interchange. The Eisenhower from Wolf to the interchange is 26 minutes. And the Ryan is 31 minutes, 95th uh, in, in the locals. And finally on the Stevenson, we've got 294 of the Ryan is 34 minutes. Hawks win against um, the Ducks. That's 1-0. NBA, the Bulls play the Spurs tonight. Kings at Suns. And last night, Patriots win at Steelers, 21-18. So I got Chief. Back to you. The, uh, trying to think. I have it here. No. Uh, we've got 199 and 3.7. Average hourly earnings up 0.4%. So times 12, what's that? That's uh, 4.8 for the year, right? It's not horrible. Yeah, horrible. This uh, is... Uh, yeah, this is kind of an interesting. I mean, just scanning it real quickly while uh, while you're doing traffic. The <laughs> so down two ticks on the unemployment rate. It was three nine last month. Okay, uh, the the employed number unadjusted is up four hundred seventy three thousand, uh, which which is not unchar that that's actually not uncharacteristic other than like weird pandemic stuff because uh, you know this is this time called Christmas right I got, I got the unadjusted number up seven you got the adjusted seven no I got no I got the unadjusted uh, the unadjusted um, employed number uh, out of the uh, household uh, plus 473 yeah the, the adjusted is like 740 right right but I'm saying yeah the, yeah, the real number <laughs> <laughs> the the we counted them number yeah before, before we twisted the dial right is uh, is four seventy three and and 
that's actually quite light for a November. Uh, because November, of course, is a time when we usually hire people for seasonal. Uh, but, uh, you know, the pandemic was weird. The pandemic did all kinds of odd stuff. And in fact, uh, the year just before then, it was a little odd too. But it, this is um, sometimes that hiring shows up in October's report and then not so much in November. But we, we were, if you remember, we were basically unch last month. Was the unadjusted number was seven, plus seven. Okay, so the last two months, the adjusted number, I've got it up four, which is almost exactly where if you had the two months together, your unadjusted comes out to the same number, right? Yeah, and and the other thing that's kind of odd here is that uh, essentially none of that was out of the not in labor force that was uh, that was neg 23 that's for all intents and purposes that's zero uh, and so that's rather interesting too because you know a lot of times you get a huge move there and that kind of overshadows everything else because then it's like okay so this is people either you know couch surfing or stopping couch surfing uh, well, there's no couch surfing change of, of materiality. Uh, the, uh, and in the, two, the, in the two months, there's like no change according to these guys. In the one month, there's a there's there's quite a change. Here's the 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 some couch surfers. The, the column we don't know what they're doing. In September was ninety nine four nine eight here. Then it went to ninety nine nine one four. Now it's back to ninety nine five six two. So it's virtually unchanged. In the two months, same way with the people actually unemployed looking for a job, the number's only 60,000 difference, and the, the employed number is up four. If you take the two months together, I think I'm, I'm probably sneaking out your... The adjustment's canceling itself out, I think, is what's happening. Is that true? Well, yeah, it looks that way. And, and the other thing that's interesting is that on a 12-month run rate, uh, accounting for the population, the workforce increase... Uh, the entire 12-month run rate is plus 286, which is, I mean, that's pretty anemic. Okay, there's there's really no absorption going on. I got 3.1 more million people around. There's I've got uh, 2.8, make that 3. Point, uh, 3.8 more million people in the la- in potentially in the labor for, in the labor force, uh, and only well, I got so, well, 3 I million got people. Yeah, I got two hundred eighty-six thousand across the twelve months adjusted, you know, positive adjusted for population change. So that's, okay, that's a that's one of the numbers that I look at. The thing, you know, there was so much distortion for a long time in there uh, as a result of the you know the pandemic. I mean, you know, because you had this this huge downdraft, of course, you know, when all of that hit and everyone got laid off. Uh, but that's been stable now for the last year or so, and and that it's positive is good. But the but the twelve month run rate, you know, tends to fluctuate around zero, and it was for a few years prior to the pandemic, which is uh, you know everybody has always been, oh you know the Trump job market was so wonderful, and then of course you know the Obama job market was so wonderful, da da da. And it's like uh, only if you don't take into account the fact that we keep adding people. Right. If, right. if you ignore that minor little factor, yes, it it, it, it really is kind of wonderful. Gee, you really can't do that, right? I mean, if you think about it. Um, so that's kind of, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, health, <laughs> now, this is, <laughs> this is amusing. Healthcare, 
has for the last 15, 20 years put about 30,000 jobs on every month, okay, uh, which is a wildly, I mean, if you think about the, the as a comparison, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, 350,000 a year, right? And you think about, okay, wait a minute, we put about 2 million people into the workforce a year, so what you're basically saying is that we have, uh, you know, one and a half uh, healthcare workers for every ten people. I, 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 how much time did you say you were spending in the doctor's office again? I, you know, I mean, I just, I look at there. Excuse me. Well, wait, how, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. We're it's only six percent or seven percent of the, uh, the the inflation basket. Oh, it is, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, but this last month, seventy-seven thousand jobs. It's all people playing back and forth with the insurance companies in the bank. It's, it's well, it's I know, I'm saying, but jungle. that's double. But chief, that's double the the longer-term run rate. And the other thing that's interesting about that is, you know, knowing people that work in that line, you know, in that area that actually that actually do something, you know, like for example, a nurse. Yeah. All right. Um, Wage increases, raises. What are those? Right. Uh, well, at the same time, of course, their grocery bill is going up just like mine. Right. Right. So it's like, yeah. So how about you know? And, and you think the housing market? Can you think of any problem? anything more bizarre? I mean, if you look at all the prices of uh, people getting paid historically, what their places charge historically? Can you? If you get to look, there's probably somewhere that I, I, I'm not thinking of, but I'm going to say if you take a night stay in a hospital and the cost of a test or something, something, and you take that, I'll use the Dave Stockman numbers. If you go from 2000 to today, and on a separate piece of paper you have nurses' wages, and I'm not talking about hospital administrators, doctors' wages, I'll bet they don't even come close to keeping up with the increase in cost of what people are getting charged by these hospitals and doctors' offices. No, and you know that there's there's a huge confounder, especially when you start talking about physicians, because and and it's true in the dental side of things too, um, you know, which is I mean that's a type of doctor, right? Yeah, uh, and that is that the that the throttling and cost pressure on the provisioning side. In other words, what's it cost to go to school to actually you know be able to do that job? Right, because we have all the gatekeeping that goes on, and I'm, yeah, I I don't know that I necessarily would like the idea of having somebody that doesn't have to have a degree, uh, you know, chopping me up to take my appendix out, as an example. Oh yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, y- you wonder how you end up with this situation where these people essentially have no choice but to go along with whatever the the hospitalists' orthodoxy is on whatever particular issue might be, you know, front and center today. And well, being half a million dollars in debt might have something to do with that, right? Oh yeah. Um, here's the other interesting thing. Well, you Retail know, you pay- know, I, I, we're not going to go into it here, but it's, I, I think that a lot of the, I won't say ability to think on your own or, or even express your opinion, with a lot of these big companies, if you if you owe a quarter million dollars in student loan debt, you, you you can't just say take this job and shove it. Uh, well, you can, but it will have a very bad impact on your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, one of the things that I, I, you know, I can't, I came of age at a different time. Okay. Uh, you know, I started working for people and, you know, programming computers and, uh, 
you know, got a job without having a, you know, a, a formal degree uh, doing that job. And uh, if I got bent out of shape enough at whoever was employing me at the time, uh, take that job and shove it is exactly what got said. And, and I did not have the sort of Damocles you know, hanging yeah. over the top of my head. And if, if I ended up having to, you know, spin pizzas for three months to, to well, you know, life's going to suck, but I'll survive. I'm not going to end up, you know, throwing out everything and in the street and I still owe somebody 200 grand. I, it, there, that kind of threat was just never there in my professional life and I can't imagine trying to do it today and, and people wonder why the you know why you got young people that say well we're not we're not doing family formation oh gee I wonder why not yeah. right yeah. Um, hey do you remember trade, a real by, by the way retail trade down by 38,000 this month hey can I can I flip you off or not flip you off turn you yeah. for quick we didn't we have not mentioned this week uh one of the, an, an amazing person, a, a deaf Norman Lear, uh, all in the family and the Jeffersons and all those. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. An amazing. I, I think he had a, an incredible sense of the uh, the population, the thoughts in this country when he did that stuff. He was able to get people on the left and the right to to laugh at the same show. Um, yeah. But you know, I remember one of the lines that. Uh, you know, Archie was always being Archie with the meathead and the daughter, right? Right. And uh, one day, I remember this one to to uh, he's he's there and he's he's ranting and raving. Well, I don't know if the daughter got laid off or something happened, and meathead comes home and he says, "I I think I might be going to lose my job." And and Archie says, "Well, you know, you're not doing this." You know, he's being Archie, right? Right. And all of a sudden, he says, "You know, just so you know, when I first got married, to Edith, and she was pregnant." All of a sudden, something happened at my firm, and this guy laid me off. And yeah, I, gee, I wonder. Yeah, well, no, not just something happened at the firm. I mean, it wasn't like. Well, you know, oh, like okay, our, yeah. And all of a sudden, we, he's, we all got laid off, and I don't know what I was going to do, and I don't know if we were going to be on the street or whatever. My family is all dead. Blah 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 blah. And he goes through and he says, "You've got one big advantage," and the meathead says, "What's that?" And he goes, "I'm not dead." <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, he goes, I'm going to give you a bunch of grief living here, but you got a place to sleep. <laughs> Go out and find well, another job and don't worry about it. Basically, you know, it's nice yeah. to have that. I mean, it was one of the most incredible scenes I remember and all in the family. So here's a, so, you know, one of my favorite tables in here is A4. Yep. Okay, and household data, which is the uh, jobs by educational attainment. Okay. Um, you were unch if you have some college or an associates and you actually lost a tick for people with a bachelor's and the other interesting thing about that is those people are dying yeah uh, the civilian labor force was down 150 of people with a bachelor's degree or higher and even so the employment population ratio dropped by a tick um it, so even adjusted for the civilian labor force change, it was negative. Now, okay, now, I was just about to say here from my this this shows the uh, popul- the percentage in the in the working or working or unemployed down in the final count is ticking up to sixty two point eight, which is the right. highest it's been in a while, uh, and we see even with the unadjusted and unadjusted, we're we're creeping up in some of these numbers. Well, I'm 60.5, by the way, on the employment population ratio on a gross basis. Right, I'm looking at the first one. 
What's the yeah, f- I, I'm, I'm, well, I compute it off the unadjusted numbers, and I've... No, I, I'm saying I there's two numbers it. here, 162.8, which is the... Right. Uh, that That's counting uh, the, the people that are either have a job or are actively looking for a job. That's 62.8. Right. The 60.5 is the people that are actually working. But that's actually a little higher than it's been in a while, too, right? I guess my question is, is there a chance here we could be making some very slow but steady progress? Um, what I'm seeing is essentially a unch situation over the last you know, nine, ten months. I, I don't, see, I don't see progress. What I, what I, I see, see is January sixty point two. So we're up a, I got it up a little bit. Well, I'm sixty. I'm at yeah. On an un, on an unadjusted basis, uh, sixty point four as of March and sixty point five as of now. Yeah. Well, well, at the end of COVID, it was fifty six point eight. So it's way up from there. Oh, oh yeah. No, no. But I mean, but that recovery is essentially that uh, the, the 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 crazy. Is basically out of the numbers at this point. I, I think we need for our, our budget deficit for our well-being. You need another five five was, full points. I was going to say number. I was going to say sixty four point five or somewhere near sixty five. Uh, you got to go. Yeah, and and it's not going to happen. I can tell you that right now. It's not going. I looking at the internals on this table. There is there is not a snowball's chance in hell you're going to see that in the next ten years. Because that that would solve a boatload of problems, wouldn't it? Well, I have always said since I started doing these reports. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's been a feature since I started the blog back in 07, is that that is the number that matters for fiscal sustainability. Right. It's how All many the people are contributing versus taking, or maybe not taking. Well, they might be retired, they have their own money. Well, maybe, maybe they're contributing, maybe they're not, but they're trying. Yeah. Okay, There's, there is at least... At a minimum, there's employment tax revenue coming in because that's from the first dollar. Right. Okay. Maybe they're not paying federal income tax because they're not making enough money to, you know, I mean, or, you know, or they are paying it, but it's not very much. You know, it's a few dollars here and there because, you know, they're in that lower bracket. You got the standard deduction. But you're paying the states, you're paying the cities, you're paying everybody else. Well, and and on top of that, you're actually earning something. So guess what? You're paying sales tax. You're paying, you know, yeah. You're indirectly paying property tax. You're 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 buying, you're buying lottery tickets at 30 bucks a pop. Well, that too, yeah. But I mean, but the thing is, is you're spending money, and and you're earning something. You're not. It's not a grift off everybody else, right? Okay, and that figure essentially is the fiscal balance figure, if you will. And where we are today, if you're going to see, if you're going to see actual movement in the positive direction, I mean, the balance point is probably somewhere around sixty three, sixty four. Um, but if you're going to actually have improvement, you need to be, you know, you need something better than that, right? I mean, the thing is, is that if you go back and you look at this all the way back to like 2001, um, that's pretty much where we were. We were around 64, 65, 64 and a half. Okay, I mean, 63, 64. That was, that was the number around that period of time. I've got the table right up here in front of me. In 1999, uh, in December, well, let's take November because, you know, this is November, right? Right. Uh, November of '99 uh, was 64 and a half. Yeah, let me let me sneak back if, if my my chart goes that far back. Uh, well, the end of the end of '99, I got 64.3, 64.40 into 2000. I got 64 64.5 for December, and at the end of 2000, uh, let's see, I got 64.5 in 2000 at the, the December 2002. 
How do you have five and I got sixty four four? What the hell kind of? Because I'm off the unadjusted numbers right. and I've and I've been keeping my own table for the last ah, okay. you know twenty five well, years. We're, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, this is an Excel spreadsheet. This isn't uh, you know going on the BLS. Oh, guess what? We changed the numbers because oh, we yeah. revised something. Or we, we decided ago. you don't want to you don't want to see something you know s- past six years ago. We don't want to show it to you anymore. Hey, you, you know, see that? You see they're giving you the money supply by month now again. Oh yeah, or by well, week I mean. You know, I used to do I used to do a quarterly uh, ticker every every three months on the on the Z one, okay, which is the the big table out of the Federal Reserve. It's a flow of funds. It's basic. If if there's a piece of information about the economy in terms of where the money's coming from or where it's going, it's in there. All right, and I gave up on it because they kept changing it and then retroactively going back <laughs> and modifying things, and so. Trying to actually pick up data and be consistent across long periods of time was impossible. Uh, yeah. Hey, I gotta, well, uh, and, and that's intentional. I'm sorry. Oh, that's, sure it is. Yeah. I, mean, I got to a- ask you a, uh, a uh, monetary policy question. Um, back when I was studying this stuff and, and the Fed would make a move, they'd go from you know, 5% to 4 3 quarters or the other way around a quarter. Yeah. The, the story always was it takes six to ten months to either absorb what you just drained out of the pool or what you just pumped in the pool. Yeah, my, my thing is in the six to twelve month window is where it typically... Yeah, that's, 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 what we, that's what we were taught. And that's what all the evidence seemed to show. Well, that's what the data says. Well, yeah, yeah I'm saying it wasn't... I don't think people pull it out of the air. I mean, <laughs> I think the, that's what the data showed for a you know, hundred and some years. Uh, my my right. question is, I'm not so sure... And I, I could I could list if I was going to write a PhD PhD I'd have to start way before that if I was going to write a paper about this and I could list probably seven reasons why I think somehow or another just like we talked earlier just because having a drink during a marathon is good for you having four gallons isn't <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not so sure given how some of the economy has gotten so monopolized cartelized utilities all over the place that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not so sure that when you do something the size of the bulge in COVID, where you you blow it up 40 percent in an 18-month period, I don't. I think that's still coming through, Carl. I don't. I don't. I don't think that there's no way that can be absorbed. It, my opinion, my thought would be, without any data to prove it, that's not coming through in six to 12 months. There's no way it can. I, no, I, I think you're right about that, Chief. And and I would say I would add to that though. Uh, that the the problem with this uh, sort of of action and what was done is that you know I mean this is not the first rodeo for us having a you know a virus show up and start screwing with people. Can you think of any other time we other than the Confederacy and we know what happened to them? Right. Has anybody ever ballooned anything 40 percent in eighteen months in this country? I don't think it's ever happened. No, and in fact, history says that nations that do that tend to get it in the backside down the road, and it's well, very tur- Turkey, bad. Argentina, Venezuela. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, hello. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we know the story from other places in the world that have done this sort of thing, and what tends to happen, right? So, I mean, it, the idea that we're smarter than everybody else in the history of the planet, and you know, we're not going to we're not going to pay for this in ways that we're really not going to like, I think is uh, you know more than a little bit of hubris there. What do you think their their policy right now? For a while, they were they were dragging the money supply down a little bit, and then 
coincidentally with the Silicon Bank thing, that all stopped. And I just looked the last week I looked at, we're at the exact same number we were in April of this year. So are, do you, what do you think their policy is just to hold it steady now for two, three years and hope everything shakes out and people get some raises? What do you think their long-term plan is here, Stan, or do they have one? I don't think they've got one. I think the, I think Powell right now is probably not sleeping very well. Um, and my suspicion is that he's trying to stumble through to avoid a train wreck in the middle of the election season. Yeah. He's going to fail. Okay. If I, if I, if I had to place a bet on this, you, you want to, if, if you would like to sell me some very cheap puts on the, on the, on the spoos, um, for, you know, next, uh, you know, next December. Okay. Let's go out a year. Uh, you want to give me? You want to give me those at a very cheap price? You know, very cheap time value. Carol, the VIX, the VIX is under thirteen. How much cheaper you want it? Well, I, you know, but but at today's strike, okay, uh, I think that's a winner. <laughs> well, okay, so well, let's well, let's let, let's be Powell for a second. Um, you've got this bulge. The, the the thing that I I don't know if these guys think about it, but. I do because I'm, I'm, you know, we're in a, we're in a area. The inflation is not something that happens right away. It works. For instance, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Commonwealth Edison and People's Gas are just now getting the ability to raise the rates that they applied for two and a half years ago. Correct. So it's it's still coming through in those areas. Uh, I don't know. Oil obviously is is stopped going up. Uh, I think to a large extent, a lot of food prices have stopped going up. Uh, you know, I mean, certainly if you see stuff on sale, whatever, I'm not going into being a shopper on this, but it, it, it's still creeping through in, in some areas. I don't, I don't think it stopped going up in hospitals. Uh, I don't, you know, they, they seem to, it's, it clearly isn't in drugs. By the way, I didn't, uh, he, uh, did you happen to catch yesterday, I just saw bits and pieces that fly by, and I wonder, I, I've talked about this for a long time, uh, Biden yesterday said something about to, to uh, curtail some of his prescription drug pricing. We may have to look at patenting uh, the patents. I, I'd be all over. I'd be with him on that one, 100. percent You don't care. Well, so- there's a yeah. There's there is a obscure and highly controversial section of law, uh, and I don't think this has been tested in the courts. Okay, I I did a cursory search on this yesterday when it came across the wire. I didn't have a lot of time. I was I had some things I was doing yesterday evening. Um, by the way, if you ever get the chance to see Trans Siberian Orchestra, oh my God, uh, you, you you are crazy. Trans Siberian Orchestra is that a movie? No, it's a it's a live Christmassy show. Okay, and and it's it's rockish, it's it's rock music and live Christmassy show. But believe me. It's one of the most insane productions. I mean, it's it's Cirque du Soleil sort of kind of. Really? Okay. I mean, it's it, at that sort. Of, I mean, without the without the guys on the high wire, right? Don't you wish you could bend like those dudes? Oh man! But I mean, it, it, yeah. yeah, just it, 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 utterly astounding thing. It was it was it was stunning. I'd never seen it before, and uh, and I I took somebody with me, and it was it, we had just an outstanding evening. But I the Here's the thing, right? I look at this and I say, Powell, Powell, I mean, if you look at the market, the market says that, uh, you know, at the money uh, puts for next December, 
uh, on the spoos are are trading at about two hundred fifteen dollars. Okay, so the you're talking, the about, the, the, you're talking about the the full size spoo. Full, full yeah, size well, SP, on, SPX. on the SPX. What is it, right, on, what on, is the, it on a spider? It's down to regular people's numbers. Well, it's, you know, a tenth of that, right? I mean, yeah. basically. Right. So, but I mean, I, you know, looking at the, you know, just looking at the, uh, you know, at the bid offer right now. All right. So, you know, those are, you know, those are trading at, uh, you know, 22 and change. So it's, right? five, it's 5%. Yeah. So, but that, that basically. Four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so that basically means that if the, if, if the spider trades, uh, you know, at any time during the next year under four thirty, those are in the money. Well, if it okay. goes to four thirty next you, month, you're you're up like a bandit. Well, but I'm saying, yeah. but but at any time, okay, because you know, of course, that time value will decay. Right? Sure. But uh, but if at any time during the year we have uh, you know more than more than a drawdown that takes us under about forty three hundred on the on the S and P. Uh, those those are in the money, and if of course if it happens in the first few months, they're really in the money. Well, you, right? you you could, even if we don't go anywhere, you could if the VIX went back to eighteen, you're a big winner, even if the thing never moves. Oh, good God, yeah, yeah. I, or, yeah. Or, you know what I mean. And if you don't, if you kind of don't like the you know the the twenty two dollar price, you could you know you could do a diagonal on it or something like this too, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, buy you know buy the four fifty five, sell the four hundred for ten, and. You know, I mean, the only thing, thing, Carl, if people are going to start doing stuff like that, I think they need uh, me or my brother as their broker. You you need somebody that's going to pay attention because, yeah, yeah, there's bad things can happen if you have those open and the short side gets assigned. Absolutely. (laughs) Very bad things. (laughs) You got to have somebody who can give you the vials and all the other stuff. I mean, there's a lot to do next year. Honestly, I I very seldom give a, a, a shameless plug, but. For the last 20 years, I mean, people might have been better off, in retrospect, just being along the market at, you know, someplace and not having anybody like me doing any kind of protection or anything. But I think that window might be shutting. I, I well, think, and I think, yeah, and I, I'll tell you right now, the, the fact that you could buy those, uh, those contracts at that price today. Yeah. I mean, if you take a look at the last 12 months worth of, uh, you know, just, just look at the, la- just, just take the last 12, you know, last year. Um, you know, one year, one year daily. Uh, where where's the the S and P traded at thirty seven sixty four last year? I would bet if you went one. back to last December, wherever, wherever we are, December eighth. By the well, way, say December last December we traded at thirty seven sixty four okay, uh, right around Christmas. All right, I mean, as an option trader, I'm going to say that the year outputs were a hell of a lot more than four and a half percent. Well, yeah, they were, but you know what? Yeah. Uh, the, what what does this say? This says that if you if you owned a put at four that was in the money at four and a quarter, at four twenty five, and you traded at thirty three seventy six, oh my god! But if if you bought that put, <laughs> and, 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 and the thing is up eighteen percent, you had a big year and you have insurance. Don't uh, don't, yep. don't don't be sniveling. Yeah, don't, don't don't be crying about that trade, right? Um, hey, uh, we forgot to mention uh, Pearl Harbor yesterday. We, I've never missed that in the whole years I've done the show. Somehow I did yesterday. We had so much stuff to talk about. Carl, we covered a whole bunch of stuff today. I hope we enlightened some people because I always learn. I, I, uh, I'm not so sure right now that I mean, uh, David Stockman would say that led, left to their own devices, the Fed's going to go right back on the money supply up 5%. Uh, they're not. They're, they can't do it I, anymore. I don't think they can do it anymore. So... I'm not so sure if you and I were in the room 
just holding the money supply steady for a year or two might not be what we would try. Uh, well, I, I'll, <laughs> if, if try. Congress, at some point, Powell is going to have to go tell Congress, you cut this out or else. Well, yeah, impl- implicit in what I just said is what you just said. You, right, you, you, and, I, and I think that yeah. the reality is is that the bond market is likely to deliver that message just like it did to Clinton. What, what Carl and I are saying is if they come up with another trillion-dollar bill, they're going to say, you either tax for it or you borrow it, I'm not helping you. Yeah, right? I think, well, I think that's what has to happen because otherwise it's going to show up in your grocery price. Yeah, I don't, I don't boy, oh, boy, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's got the stones to do that. I don't know if anybody does. Well, SP Futures now only down 6, NASDAQ Futures down 68. Carl, you have a great weekend, buddy. Uh, and I'll talk at you next week. Um, yeah. We'll be back on Monday, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 708- 349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.